0: Okay.
1: Good morning. Today's date is December 4th, 2022. We're reading from the big book of AA, starting at page four, the paragraph that starts with we went to live, all the way up to and including page five, the paragraph that starts shortly afterwards. Um, See, we're going to have a reader followed by a 20 minute speaker. So our reader today, Mary C.O., would you please begin? Hi everyone, Mary, compulsive overeater. We went to live with my wife's parents. I found a job, then lost it as a result of a brawl with the taxi driver. Mercifully, no one could guess that I was to have no real employment for five years or hardly draw a sober breath. My wife began to work in a department store, coming home exhausted to find me drunk. I became an unwelcome hanger-on at brokerage places. Liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. Bathtub gin, two bottles a day and often three, got to be routine. Sometimes a small deal would net a few hundred dollars and I would pay my bills at the bars and delicatessens. This went on endlessly, and I began to wake in very early in the morning, shaking violently. A tumbler full of gin followed by a half dozen bottles of beer would be required if I were to eat any breakfast. Nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation, and there were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hope. Gradually, things got worse. The house was taken over by the mortgage holder. My mother-in-law died my wife and father-in-law became ill. Then I got a promising business opportunity. Stocks were at the low point of 1932, and I had somehow formed a group to buy. I was to share generously in the profits. Then I went on a prodigious spender, and that chance vanished. I woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I was through forever. Before then, I had written lots of sweet promises, but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business, and so I did. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way and I had taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you very much, Mary. And now we'll have our 20-minute share from Speaker Anne Marie. Good morning, Anne Marie. Um, Good morning, everybody. Hi. How would would you like me to give you a time warning at a certain number of minutes? Yeah. Give me a morning at five minutes, please. Got it. Do you want me to just say it out loud? Just interrupt. Yeah. You? Just say. Okay, we'll do. Thanks. Go message. ahead, Anne Marie.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Anne Marie. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today, but not cured. From Central PA. Thank you for this program, and thanks everybody here doing service today. Um, you know, I woke up this morning. I thought I knew what I was going to do, and I asked my higher power. You know, I'm trying to be perfect again. God, help me out. How am I going to relate this? And you know, He said, just open the book and read it again. What you're supposed to be sharing on. And you know what? He did it. So here comes my own perfect share. <laughs> God, give me some strength because I am the ADD poster child. Anyway, I looked at the first line. And I said, How the hell am I going to relate to? We went to live with my wife's parents. Well, let me tell you how I can relate to it. I'm going to give you a really quick version of this. When I was uh, seven years old, my father died of open heart surgery. He was a guinea pig, basically. My father was thin. He had type 1 diabetes. Two years later, my mother, a very, very sick adult child of an alcoholic, had massive stroke. She also was not overweight, but I know to this, to this day, I can understand she was a restrictor. She was definitely a child of an alcoholic with huge abandonment issues. So what'd she do? She passed them right on to me. Anyway, that takes care of that. Any of you with alcohol issues, you know where that goes from. I could just go an hour on that, but that's not necessary more. But I did, what happened was when my mom had her first stroke, uh, she was 44 when she had her stroke and I was nine. And we went, to, when she first came, She she wanted to be with her parents because they had abandoned her when she was a child. So we went to live at my grandmother's house And uh, so I had my grandmother. I had a mother who had her first stroke who was paralyzed on her left side, but they're all trying. So I can relate to this. We went to live there. And you know what? When I go back and think about when did my food really get bad, that's when it really started because my grandmother made the best lunches. Oh my God. you'd have seen my lunchbox when I went to school, I never got out to to, to, to play because I was eating. Everybody's like, what the heck? So my grandmother, I think, you know, she was a compulsive burrito for sure. And she was a good uh, Pennsylvania Dutch and I'm uh, Italian and Pennsylvania Dutch, if you will, German. And boy, did she know how to cook. So I learned to use food and it was always there. That was the first one I realized. And, you know, um, through my ages, I I, I came that liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. Yeah, that is definitely true. I finally went, uh, when we realized things were crazy, I went to live across the river with my mom's youngest sister, my Aunt Nancy, who I loved dearly, who ended up being my parent because my mother died at 86. She died, was 40 years at a nursing home. Um, I went to live with my aunt and uncle, who I loved. I was very close with them. They had no children. She always, they were like our, my, my brother and my second parent. My brother's 10 years old than me, so he was in college already. Now, uh, unfortunately, my Uncle Bill, who I loved dearly, was also an alcoholic. <laughs> and of course, my aunt was a child of an alcoholic. So it was the gift that just keep on giving. And, you know, I got a lot of mixed messages. Oh, we're, you're so cute, but you just have to take care of that weight problem. I think you've all a lot of you have heard that one. And God, I hated that Spiegel's and Sears catalog and those chubby clothes came. But anyway, the necessity came. And, you know, I, when I go back and try to remember when sugar started, I can remember there would be times back then when, Um, you know, you'd get something in the house and that was sugar laden. And I looked back and yeah, I couldn't stop. And she'd say, now, Anne Marie, you got to stop that. The only thing good about then was we didn't have all the spare change and the immediate gratification that kids have today. So they were far and few between. But boy, I did recognize it. I mean, it's very easy for me when I go back. The crave had started in me young. When I got to high school, I was never really, and I hate to use this word because it's a word my family use. So pardon me if I, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. I wasn't quote unquote sloppy fat. I was big boned <laughs> and I was big boned. I mean, I was a big girl, five, six and I do come from German stock and my, my even my Italian aunts are big women but they weren't fat really, they were just big. Um, but anyway, uh, I did have huge body dysmorphia because I was bigger than all my friends. And it bothered me. I was very active and I was fairly popular. Now, I wasn't a cheerleader and all that. But, you know, my personality, I've been, I'm a happy person. And I'm God, I'm so grateful for God for making me that way. There was a lot of shit going up on in here. And I had to do a lot of lying because I also had that abandonment gene. And I thought if I wasn't perfect, I wouldn't have a place to live. So that I learned how to lie really young. And I had a lot, my aunt Nancy had high expectations on me because she was also afraid that my Catholic side of the family would come and take me away, my father's side of the family, if she didn't raise me the way they had expectations. So there was always this constant, you gotta be a good girl. And you know, I gotta admit, I'm glad that I had my aunt because I loved her so much, I was a good girl. But that good girl thing is hard to do. So I ate. Anyway, in 10th grade, my aunt was working for a doctor and she started taking diet pills and she asked the doctor if I could take, them. he never saw me said, sure. <laughs> well, that started my love affair for three years with biphetamine as known on the streets as Black Beauties. Now, I was not a drug user, and I never abused them. But boy, oh boy, I also didn't know back then, because I am ADHD, how much they helped me to concentrate. Of course, I was bing, 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 everywhere. I love those Black Beauties. I wouldn't eat all day at school, and then we go for Sundays after school. But the end of high school and I started college I was in my freshman year about three months in the worst time of the year and the doctor said no mas no more I was studying to be a Spanish teacher by the way so if that comes in sorry and I hit a brick wall it was horrible and I decided oh my god because you know this was my this was my thing you know this was my luxury this was the when I uh, had the ability to stop for a while where the line was um I could control it. I'm trying to think what the, the line was in the book. Gradually things got worse. Oh my God, gradually, not gradually, immediately. I was in a huge, you, any of you who took diet pills know that. So then of course, at that point between the diet pills, diets, everything, my four years of college were always looking. And again, I wasn't a drug eater, but you know, looking for speed was my number thing. one thing. I didn't want to abuse it. I just wanted to take one a day so I could be thin. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to be thin. That didn't work. When I graduated and I was doing my student teaching, I was going to get married. So I went first time to go WW. And as always, I controlled it for a while. All right. As always, but I never make it to apps. I never make it to uh, maintenance because as we all know, as soon as we start quote unquote, adding things back in, the crave starts again. Well, how that work for me? It didn't. But I did get married in the dress I wanted to. And I got my, I was so, so, you know, I was so lucky. My life, I have been given so much. I really am a happy person. I got a job in my, where I wanted to, where there were, had been no openings. And I had a wonderful, wonderful teaching career. In my thirties though, I was still obsessed with my weight constantly. I went to visit my brother down in Texas, and my sister-in-law was an OA. I had already got into Al-Anon, and I was already a year in a- ACOA, adult children of, even though I wasn't living with my alcoholics anymore. But, you know, once a codependent, always a codependent. And And um, anyway, I um, went to see my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law said she was going, I noticed she'd lost all this weight, and my sister-in-law had MS. And she said, yeah, Marie, I'm going to a thing called uh, Overused Anonymous. She said, would you like to go along tonight? Well, I went. That was about 1983 and I what the hell is this? And I knew the 12 steps, I was like, mm. So I did, that was it. I turned around 84 and I found that there was no way near- nearby. And I don't even remember how or why, but I went. I stayed in for three years. I was definitely a head full of a program and a belly full of fat, a belly full of food. We were all dieting uh, with group support um I we I had a big book which this is the big book the third edition it's loaded with lines now again I have my new big book thank god and the thing about that big book was I knew that I'd say on page 58 rigorous honesty I had written down that book that's me because I and this pisses me off too when I hear other people say that they were terminally unique I thought I even had invented that line boy that pissed me off so anyway I found out I wasn't but I could not stop lying I stuck around for a few years, had my son. And I will tell you, OA took away my compulsion to smoke just like that. Coming home from a meeting one night. Haven't had a cigarette in 35 years. My son was just 34. And it was because I asked God. He gave me so many miracles, but I would not put down that food. Was I crazy? Absolutely. Was I full of ego? Absolutely. I would do everything but that. I would control everything. I had a perfect lack of perspective. Absolutely lacked it. Of course, I was the teacher who did not have to be taught. And that was my problem. I had so many prejudices, so many misunderstandings of what it meant to let go. I couldn't surrender. I had to, this is what I did all my life. You know, I was seven years old. I had to learn how to live with what goes on up here. Oh. And let me remind you, I'm a real sweet people placer until you cross me. Then, my dear friends, I will character assassinate you, and I will make sure everybody knows what you've done to me. And I hope you're on my side. Yeah, I'm a hell of a nice person, and everybody likes me, as long as they like me. It's a pretty sick situation, no doubt about it. And, yeah, as again, as I said, gradually things got worse. In, in everything that happened, my higher power has been so good. to me. I have an amazing marriage. I'll be married 46 years. I've been together 50 years with my husband. I've got a child that we were told we wouldn't have. He's wonderful. I've had him go through a time last year when he was talking suicide. This program made me realize there wasn't a damn thing I could do about it. For the first time, not only did I surrender my food, I've learned how to surrender so much. I have a future daughter-in-law that might be bipolar. Can't do a damn thing about it. I don't try to argue, I don't try to tell my son what he has to do and I have the best relationship with my son I could ask for. I used to always want someone to bear, to um, validate what I was doing. I don't need it anymore because I got a higher power that validates me every morning when I just get surrendered to him. And you know what the greatest gift is? And it's not perfect, but I don't care about how much I weigh anymore. And I have a real bad time with scales, So I use my clothing. I'm down three sizes. I've been in program for 16 months because when I hit my bottom, I actually hit the bottom. I didn't realize it in February of 21, I was sitting right here at this table with a girlfriend and she brought this big pan of a sweet thing. And I remember that. And I've gone through it many times as we all have where, you know, eat something and you can't stop. I'm going to, I'm going to have one more and that's it. And that night, when I finally did get sober in July, on July 24th of 21, I was able, as I listened to Harlan G, and my first my first um, sponsor told me, "Go listen to a doctor's opinion." And as I listened to Harlan, I had no idea who he was or what it, anything about it. I knew it was it, and I remembered that binge. I remembered it, and it made perfect sense. This twist of the mind, the disease, you know, inside of me. And the mental forgetter, you know, I have the indoor forgetter, and then the crave. It made perfect sense. And I got to tell you, though, I did go back in June because one of my friends said to me, I knew I was on my way. I knew I was on my way. Something inside told me. I had started to have a spiritual experience, but every time it talked about change, I was like, I was like garlic to a vampire. And I went to Weight Watchers one more time. (laughs) And this was my MO, five pounds. I'm back to eating normal. I've lost five pounds. And I tell you, I could not lose more. I looked at pictures last night of myself at the year age of 61. I'll be 70 in February. And I can't believe how old and fat I was. And how I looked miserable, even though I didn't think I was really miserable. But I remember I went to get some fruit and I was at the stand and I thought, well, I lost five pounds and I have points. Let me buy this whoopie pie. I'll eat just half of it. Well, of course, it never made it to the house. That was my last binge, my last sugar binge. I came in program because I have two, I'm a singer. I have another wonderful life as a singer. And two of the guys in my band are alcoholics. And I don't know why I didn't think of Zoom because I'd been on Zoom all through COVID, drinking and eating with my friends, with my girlfriends all day. Oh, we were good at that too. Anyway, they said, hey, there's Zoom meetings. I go, oh my God, because guess what? The closest meeting for me is an hour and a half away at night, and I don't do night driving anymore to Harrisburg. And I got on the meeting, and I haven't stopped since two days. I had a sponsor. She told me to do everything I did not want to do. I could feel the hair go up on my back. But for the first time, as I always used to, I had a great teacher who used to tell, tell me when I was worried about my ability in Spanish. Rosini, he'd say to me, my maiden name, when the teacher's ready, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. And she was right. I was finally ready to take the cotton out of my damn ears and put it in my mouth and go to any lengths. I did what page 58 says, if you want what I got, you're gonna do what I say. Oh, man, I didn't like that. But I had a compassionate, wonderful sponsor. And shortly afterwards, I bought into it. I bought into it hook, line and sinker. I went on vacations. I spent a month in Spain in May. I stayed abstinent. I went to any length I had to, and today, you know, I've gone to many big book studies, and that's the difference now. I got to tell you, for me, I love every, I love program. My sponsor didn't sponsor me with the big book, although she was a big book believer. But today, the 164 pages, uh, you know, I live in 10, 11, and 12, and I came to, went to one of the workshops that came came gave on 10, 11, and 12 to understand it better. I'm also trying as I, and I sponsor, which I love. Anne Marie, five more minutes. Thank you. I love sponsoring. I know that if I don't give it away, I can't keep it. And God knows I don't want to ever go back there again. One day is all I got. This is it. I also do go back and look at six and seven. I can work 10, 11, and 12 because I keep in six and seven. And there are days when there's a thing I'm looking at right now that says, and Marie, you know, seven step tells me that I know I may have to do this, but maybe I'm not quite willing yet. When I think and look back on where I was September of 2021 and where I am today, in terms of my absence, in terms of things I couldn't do, I think of that step now. And I know that my higher power takes me there. And you know what? There is a solution. It's here amongst you all on the bus with you guys. I don't have to fight this alone. And I'm not alone. As long as I don't let Evil Davy, who I like to call my disease, Evil Davy. if you guys remember Davy and Goliath, that's who I love, Evil Davy, Davy, you shouldn't do that. And I say, Davy, shut the hell up. There's a new ranger in town. It's my higher power and you ain't it. So on that, I'm gonna say to you all, thank you for letting me be here and share. Have a wonderful day, unless you have made other plans, because ultimately, The only thing that's going to stop that is the fear. And boy, I was loaded with it that used to rule my life. And guess what? I got through it. Thank you, God. And you didn't even have to tell me time. Okay, Anne Marie is out of here. Thank you so much, y'all. Love you.